From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. The Fortune 500 is the iconic list of large companies in this country. When you've made the Fortune 500, you know you've made the big time. It's a measure of prestige. It says they're big enough to play with the big boys. Welcome, Frosty Podcast listeners, to another episode of the Frosty Podcast. On behalf of the Fortune 500 League, I'm Derek Frost. He's Tony Perenni. We're going to break down week four. Tony, you ready to go? Oh, I'm ready to go. And I'm multitasking like a boss over here. I got a fancy hockey draft going on one tab and breaking down our league on the other tab. I'm ready to do it. Tony, what's your hockey fantasy team name? Broad Street Bullies. Gotta Very support my unoriginal. Flyers. Yeah. That's disappointing. Tony. They have played. Uh, they've played very poorly the last couple of years, both in real life and in my fantasy life. So I need to turn the table this year. All right. Well, we will not be talking about your fantasy hockey team because outside of you in the city of Philadelphia, nobody cares. But you know what people do care about, Tony? Our opening bell segment presented by Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Incorporated. Let's start because what a week in week four. First game up, Steve Groovers, the EBDB B&B. I love saying that name. Versus Tim Taft's the Green Dragon. Steve coming off the recent trade that brought Nick Chubb and Kenny Galladay to his team. And boy, did they perform. Steve, looking like the team of old, wins 136.7 to 103.6. That moves Steve up to 3-1, and one, and he claims first in the sales division and moves Tim down to 1-3 and three and fifth in the warehouse division. Tony, what's your take on this game? Uh, Tim had the nice head start there with the Thursday night game. Devontae Adams getting out there at 28 points before he uh, bows out of the game with an injury. And it didn't end up mattering in the end because Steve's team just uh, saving up a lot of points for this week, clearly. And that trade uh, paid immediate dividends for him from Vince's team. Nick Chubb comes in, puts up 39 points off of three touchdowns. Kenny Galladay puts up 23.7. Lamar Jackson gets a a garbage time touchdown there that helps get him up to 24 points on the day. Really just an all-around solid outing for, for Steve's team there. Uh, on Tim's side, got a really, really poor game from Adam Thielen. Uh, Darren Waller uh, came back down to earth a little bit with uh, right around his projection at 12 points. But when he's been going off for 20-plus points on a week-in, week-out basis, it kind of seems uh, like a bit of a letdown. And Deshaun Watson with a, a more of a human performance for him as well with only 11 points. Um Now, Tim has had some bad luck on a week-to-week basis, but he really needs to start getting some good luck here because he's in danger of getting buried. Uh, Back to Steve. Derek, do you think think Steve's turned the corner here with this week after this trade and all? You know, it's really difficult to say because last week you were saying Kenny Galladay really didn't have a great game. And this week against Kansas City, we both predicted that, that he was going to have Uh, Another big performance. But as you look at his roster top to bottom, it's a lot of these guys that have been up and down. Uh, Lamar Jackson has put out some pretty good numbers, but Nick Chubb has been up and down. 
Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster this week very down at 4.5 points. Kenny Galladay up, but last week down. So I, I think I think this is more of an exception than the new rule for Steve. I, I think initially I was quick to jump and say Steve's back, but I think this was a little bit of flash in the pan. Uh, Tony, what do you think about that? I agree with you. This is not the uh, consistent team that he had last year where they're just week in, week out, guys were going off. And you could pretty much guess on a week-to-week basis who was going to do it. This year is a lot more inconsistency with the lineup. The Big Ben injury has really hurt Juju's production. He gets down to four and a half points this week. Um, if Steve had lost, uh, Juju probably would have been a good candidate to be a junk bond this week. And uh, you could probably see more outings like this coming up for him. It's definitely not what Steve envisioned when he traded with Kalen to get him. Uh, Kenny Galladay, you don't really know week in, week out what you're going to get from him. He could put up some monster weeks like he did here. But some games are going to be Marvin Jones games in Detroit like they were last week. So when you kind of have two number one receivers there, you don't really know which one they're going to use more often. And then, as we mentioned uh, in last week's podcast, uh, Nick Chubb will come week 10 when Kareem Hunt starts coming around. Uh, what's his uh, usage going to look like? Is he still going to be carrying the ball 20 times a game? It's probably unlikely. He's probably going to be taking a couple series off there. Um, and if Hunt starts get taken away some of his touchdowns, that's going to hurt his production quite a bit. So definitely an opportunity there because, uh, as we'll get into a little bit later, Kareem Hunt is now on the free agent list uh, thanks to Ty Kerr dropping him this week. So it'll be interesting to see if Steve goes after him full board to kind of protect himself. Uh, what do you make of Tim's roster here after this loss? Because I mean, we keep saying he's unlucky week in, week out. But now here we are sitting, he's sitting at one and three uh, playing this week in a rivalry game against Kevin Hewlett, who's also one and three. The loser of that game is going to be in a world of hurt. What do you think of Tim's chances moving forward? I'm concerned about Tim and mostly because, you know, Deshaun Watson, he's still, he's still a, a young quarterback. I, I think he's still progressing. David Johnson has shown to be an up and down kind of guy. They got decent production out of him this week. Um, but James White, New England, anybody on New England, right? You're either going to have an amazing game or you may not touch the ball at all. But it's the Adam Thielen performance that really concerns me. Adam Thielen, still a great receiver, but with Kirk Cousins in as quarterback, a receiver can only be as good as the quarterback getting him the ball. Adam Thielen very publicly uh, saying that basically what they're doing in the passing game will not will not be enough, and the frustration was obvious. So, uh, you know, I, I look up and down Tim's roster, and I nobody stands out as but you you know somebody you can always count on. You know, David Johnson getting twenty one point nine. He, he was projected fifteen point eight. Maybe he's the only guy. But otherwise, it's a bunch of middle of the road guys and kind of reminds me of Tim's roster from last year, a bunch of middle of the road guys with nobody that you can really say he can carry your team week in and week out. Uh, Now, I think he's going to have good weeks and bad weeks. But, you know, this this 103 that he's putting up is just it's not going to win you many games, Uh, you know, and, and Tim is amongst the lowest when we look at points four 
he's he's sitting down there at third to the bottom. Now, unfortunately, he's sitting up pretty high, uh, second in points against. So it's a little bit of bad luck in the schedule, but at the end of the day, his team is just not putting out the points needed to be successful in this league. Yeah, I agree. He's got a lot of talent on that roster, but there's just so much risk built into this roster right now. Um, it, looking at the at the way it's constructed right now, I, I have a hard time saying that Darren Waller maybe isn't his most consistent performer, and he's the tight end that he just picked up off the waiver wire week one. Uh, he's been uh, lock steady, double-digit points every single week. He's been one of the top targets for Derek Carr there. The rest of his team, though, as you mentioned, the Vikings really not throwing the ball a lot. That's hurting Thielen. Um, and then he's going to be in that situation kind of where Kenny Galladay is in Detroit, where you never really know if it's going to be Thielen's week or if it's going to be Diggs' week. Or if the Vikings just come out and just waste an opponent, they're not going to throw the ball at all. It's just going to be a Dalvin Cook day. Um, Devontae Adams goes out with an injury in the Thursday night game, a toe injury. It doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. Uh, but also doesn't sound like it's a serious issue, but it might be something to watch moving forward. Uh, he hasn't really gotten going up until Thursday night's game. So Tim has been having some issues with him. And then uh, some of your other players at the running back position, you know, David Johnson has to deal with a terrible offensive line in Arizona. So it comes down to how many catches a game he's getting. And then James White, it really just depends on what the Patriots game plan is going to be. So Definitely some talent to like there with Tim's team, but you just have a hard time suggesting that they're all going to go off at the same time with how risky that lineup is. So I agree with you. I, I think he's got some concerns there, and that it wouldn't shock me if he looks to make some moves to kind of shore himself up there, especially with a very, very pivotal game coming up this week. Moving on to the next one here, Joe Reedy falls to 2-2 two and two against Charlie Thurber. Thurber winning this one, 105.3 to 92.4. Charlie finds himself 3-1, and one, but Tony, you know, we were getting ready to crown Joe champion when he was sitting there at 2-0, and oh, but has dropped two games in a row now and scoring less than 100. Now, we talked about last week where he lost, and Keenan Allen had scored him 45. This week, Wayne Gallman scores 27.8. And Joe still only scores 92.4. If he hit his projection, we're looking at Joe in the 80s, almost in the 70s. Tony, is this is this a fluke game for Joe? Or is this signs of trouble times ahead? I think this is a fluke game for Joe. I think I think this is that regression game that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks with Joe that just wasn't coming. And then finally all hit in one week uh, for, for him to put up 92 points in a week. Uh, it's fairly typical because because everybody's going to have a week like that in there, especially with the way his team has been performing for the three weeks uh, prior to that. Um, really not that surprising to see that he sprinkles in one week like this. So I think it's a fluke for him. I, I definitely think that there's going to be some better days ahead for him it's just it's just kind of funny because we talked about this last week in the forecast when we we're breaking down the games we were talking about all the favorable matchups that joe had going in there he had keenan allen going against the dolphins he had derrick henry against the falcons russell wilson against the cardinals and really none of them performed the way you expected them to 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they get back on track this week, but given the way his team has been scoring through the first four weeks, um, with notwithstanding this, this week, uh, you got to expect them to get back on track. He, his team is just loaded with talent there. I can't see them staying down. Um, I think a big story here though, is Charlie's team. Charlie's sitting there three and one right now, uh, just narrowly gets, gets the victory here, posting 105 points. Uh, gets another pretty good game from Mike Evans and a game that was an offensive explosion out there in Los Angeles. Finally gets a big game from Leonard Burnett as the Jags start leaning on the running game there against Denver. Um, he, he got what he needed to get there. Kind of got an egg from Nicole Hardman sitting in his flex and Greg Olson came back down to earth, but he still ended up with enough to win. But coming out of this, uh, we kind of talk every week now Um trying to figure out what to make of Charlie's roster. Um, and it, it seems like, it seems like every year you kind of have that one team uh, that keeps winning games and you, you look at him and you can't really figure out how they keep winning games. Um, and that's Charlie's team right now. He is the second lowest scoring team in the league and he's sitting at three and one. What do you make of Charlie's roster? Yeah, I don't know because we've talked about this a couple times now, you know, he, he, he's real low in points for, but he's fortunately also very low in points against. So he's getting a little bit of luck with that schedule. And I think as evidenced by this week, uh, which I, I don't think either of us predicted would be an easy week for him. Uh, but you know, like we talked about with Joe's team with Charlie's roster, it, the, these again are guys that aren't, going to go off any given week and I, I think we saw that Leonard Fournette is probably the best example of somebody who went off and you know 10 points above his projection but otherwise uh real rough so I, I'm not crazy impressed by Charlie's roster I haven't been crazy impressed by Charlie's roster his and you know I, I think as, as evidenced by the points four, eventually this everybody plays everybody and you play everybody in your division twice. So he's he's going to face the hard teams. He just hasn't yet. How far can luck take you so far for Charlie three and one? Um, I, I don't know. Eventually that luck's going to wear off. Yeah, and he's got a big one coming up this week in the our game of the week, the Rocky Top Rumble, uh, facing Steve. Uh, probably it's two teams that we've talked about. There being quite a bit of luck for both of them going into this. Obviously not this past week for Steve, but some of the some of his other wins, um, he just snuck by. Uh, Charlie's been doing the same thing. Something's got to give this week when these two meet, and they're playing for the division lead. The winner ends up being four and one, and uh, really kind of sets their course towards the playoffs. So. Really big matchup coming up for them. Um, and another, another big week coming up for Joe. He's got he's facing me. Um, you know, both of our teams have been playing pretty well. Um, and, and he's going to be looking to break that that two-game losing streak that he's on and get back in the win column and keep pace uh, with whoever wins that Rocky Top Rumble. Next up here, we have Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems winning against Kevin Hulick's Law Offices of Saul Goodman. Ty taking this one, 147.1 to Hulick's 100.5.
and Ty's team finally waking up, uh, getting uh, almost to 150 points here to go two and two on the season. Uh, Tony, is is Ty's game a flash in the pan, or uh, is he really starting to become for real? Well, until we see him do this consistently, I think we have to say it's a flash in the pan, right? Because uh, he, he benefits from investing in a lot of Rams on his roster because that Rams-Bucks game was fantasy gold for anybody in it, really. So he ends up having Todd Gurley, who puts up 26 points. Robert Woods finally gets going. He gets he puts up 29.4. And then a kicker, Greg Zerline, puts up 13 points. You know, that's a massive output just from three guys on your roster. And then you got some other guys to give some pretty good efforts as well. Um, team kind of just saving up all their points for one week there. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, Ty is still the lowest scoring team in the league. So I, I have a hard time believing that after one win that this constitutes turning the corner. Um, but, but we'll see on that. We'll see if he can do this back-to-back weeks. Cause he's sitting there, fortunately, at two and two right there at a crossroads. Um, you know, right in the middle of the division, he could go either direction right now. If he wins next week and ends up at three and two, then yeah, I think we have to sit here and say that he's really turned the corner and could be charting his path towards a playoff berth at that point. Uh, on the other side of the equation, and we just talked about uh, Charlie's team and how every season you have somebody's team who just kind of keeps skating by on a week to week basis. Well, every year you also have a team that just ends up facing everybody's best effort every single week. And right now that is Kevin's team. He is getting scored upon more than anybody else in the league. Uh, 555 points scored against him this year. Um, Really, he's been putting up pretty good points too. He's one of the top scoring teams in the league. Uh, Just has had a ton of bad luck. It continued this past week as Ty finally got on track. Um, it's been, it's been a tale of two seasons for Kevin. He's had two weeks where the team just goes off altogether uh, and they look really good. And he's had two weeks where the Patriots defense goes off and nobody else does. And that happened again this week. The Patriots defense puts up 23 points. Um, but outside of that, Philip Rivers hits his projection and really uh, nobody else has any point totals that really wow you. So uh, he's got a big game coming up this week against Tim. As we mentioned, both teams one and three going into that rivalry battle. Uh, got to see if he, he can finally get Lady Luck on his side. Uh, Derek, what, what do you make of Kevin's roster? I'm with you here. It's a bunch of mediocre guys that you really don't ever expect to go off any given week with the exception of DeAndre Hopkins. And at that point, you're only as good as Deshaun Watson, who can be great and can look like he's a new guy in the league, which he is. Nobody on his roster was projected for 20 points. And Phillip Rivers, the only one who actually eclipsed 20 points at 20.4. Josh Jacobs, uh, in addition to Phillip Rivers, hit his projection at 12.8, projected for 13 but then everybody else underperformed. And I don't think you look at this roster, with the exception of Patriots defense, obviously way overperformed. But amongst this core group of players, nobody else really is going to jump out at you. Nobody else is really going to come out and have that 
you know, breakaway game. Oh my God, they're amazing. So I don't think it gets a lot better for Kevin. I think you're going to have, you know, the couple games where somebody goes off and hopefully it's enough for Kevin to take it. He's put up some decent points. A lot of those I think are kind of flukish more so than they are great players having great games. So I, I don't, I didn't love, love Kevin's roster after draft day. We, we talked about how he kind of hung back and was trying to get value picks. Well, the problem is value picks don't score year one. Maybe they score year two, year three, year four. But at this point, you know, Chris Godwin on his bench gets 41.2. You know, would have been great if he had him in, but he wasn't projected to outscore anybody who actually played. And you got a bunch of guys like that, that any given week will go crazy, but you can't bank on them week in and week out. And it's a crapshoot if you even have even have them in your roster when they do go off. Yeah, it's hard. You really end up chasing points quite a bit when you end up in, in that position where you uh, try to keep playing the strategy game on a week-to-week basis, trying to get the right guys in the lineup. And it uh, seems like more often than not, you're probably going to guess wrong in that, that situation when you have so many guys that are about the same from a talent standpoint. Um, I, I will say Kevin's roster has surprised me uh, so far. I, I think they've played better than I expected them to coming out of the draft. He had a very underwhelming draft. Uh, got a lot of guys that I didn't really think moved the needle, but they put together some pretty solid weeks. So it just it's hard to bank on on a week to week basis what you're going to get from the guys on there. So it makes it tough to project. Uh, he could really be sitting there in the middle of the pack for most of the season with the way they're performing right now. But he, he badly, badly needs a win against Tim's squad this week. Next up, our highest scoring game of the week. Vince Gorgonzola's grandpa's cheese barn takes down Dave Peschian's super sack. 162 to 144.6. Dave's team, unfortunately, getting unlucky. They put together a pretty good, a pretty good uh, point total there. He would have only lost to Vince and Ty, and unfortunately faced Vince. Uh, really, outside of Tom Brady, everybody had a pretty good game. Uh, Zeke looked human, but otherwise everybody else outdoes their projections. But, you know, Vince Gorgonzola, I was nervous for him having traded away uh, Chubb and Galladay. But James Conner comes in with 26.5 to fill in Chubb's void. Austin Eckler, on probably what will be his last major weekend, goes out in style with 29.2. And Patrick Mahomes looks like Patrick Mahomes at 18. So everybody performing for Vince. Nobody had a bad game. Uh, And Dave, almost everybody had a good game. And it just wasn't enough. Uh, So Vince now goes to two and two. Dave, one and three. Yeah, I'm I'm still super impressed by Vince's team right now. Because early on Sunday, it looked like he had made a big mistake trading away Chubb and Galladay to Steve's team as both of them started immediately putting up points in their new uniforms. But uh, Vince's team didn't miss a beat. He ends up outscoring Steve on the week. He's the highest scoring team in the league currently. He's putting up points in bunches on a week-to-week basis, kind of misleading 
standings, uh, position the standings for him right now, two and two, just really uh, catching some good games from some opponents. But uh, I, you got to feel good about his roster moving forward. What do you think? Yeah, he's going to get Saquon back for a playoff run. Uh, he's going to get Darius Geis back for a playoff run. Austin Eckler now, you know, kind of moving forward here. That's going to be the question mark. He's going to have Tariq Cohen, probably. Maybe Daryl Williams. Depends on who he wants to play there. But uh, until those guys come back, depending on what happens with Eckler here, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, And Eckler is projected 14.5 coming into this week. So I, I don't know what you do if you're Vince with Austin Eckler this week. I I can't imagine Melvin Gordon is in football shape enough to come in and take on what he the load that he will be able to take on three weeks from now. So I think you keep Austin Eckler on the field this week because you don't have a great backup for him. But after that, it's going to be a big question mark. And I think that's the that's the one thing that has me hesitant with Vince at this point. What do you think, Tony? I'm, I'm stuck in the middle there on the Austin Eckler thing because I, I kind of feel like Eckler and Gordon are going to be in a 50-50 timeshare for uh, most of the season moving on. I don't know how you just take Eckler right off the field with the way he's been playing, especially in the passing game. So at the least, he's going to get third downs, uh, maybe get a series or two there from Gordon because uh, he showed he's he's – more than capable of carrying the load for them. Um, and they don't have any any reason to grind Melvin Gordon into the ground uh, and, unless they feel that he's given them something that they hadn't had before that. Um, probably gives you a little more oomph in the, in the red zone as far as uh, finishing in, in the, at the goal line. But outside of that, I have a hard time believing they're just going to take Eckler off the field. So it might be even more maddening for our fantasy owners, for Vince and for Kalen, uh, who have Eckler and Gordon respectively, because I'm not positive uh, either one of them is going to be carrying the load completely there. So they could find themselves in a complete timeshare. I'm not sure that it's going to be like a New Orleans Saints situation like Kamara and Ingram had been the last couple of years where you can kind of just play both of them and expect each of them to put up pretty solid fantasy points on a week-to-week basis. I think they could be frustrating to figure out for the first couple of weeks. So I'm with you. And Eckler kind of presents a pickle for, for Vince right out of the gate. Uh, he's got to make some decisions there. He doesn't have a lot of – lot of help on the bench right now unless he's ready to throw Cohen right there in the into the lineup. I know we had a touchdown this past week, but uh, very minimal output outside of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Vince's team top to bottom pretty solid. He had some questions about the running back position. I feel like the rest of the roster is going to score uh, consistently enough, especially with Mahomes there slinging it, that he can get to playoff territory. Uh, but then by the time Saquon comes back, still be in pretty good shape. Um, the flip side of this matchup, uh, we, we have been hammering Dave on a week-to-week basis. Uh, with the, the way his season has begun, uh, he starts out one and two, his first win. 
uh, ends up only getting 100 points on the day. Extremely underwhelming performance. And then finally, this past week, his team puts it together and puts up 144 points, scores the way uh, you anticipated them to score when he drafted them. Uh, and he comes up short. He just runs into a bad matchup uh, with, with Vince just lighting up the scoreboard again. Uh, how do you feel about Dave's chances here? Uh, you know, offense finally wakes up, but here he sits at one and three. Yeah, and we're getting to the point in the season, Tony, where the record is something that you're going to have to overcome. And the the bigger the hole that Dave finds himself in, the harder that's going to be because each and every one of these teams has the ability to score 140, 150 each week. And as we've seen, many of them will go and, and score 100 or less. So I'm I'm worried about Dave. I, I He has the team to put up the points. He hasn't been able to do it consistently and has run into some some real good teams in the process. So uh, I still like Dave's team. I really do. I just worry it it might be too little too late. Yeah, you look look at his uh, running backs right now, McCaffrey and Zeke. You can pretty much rely on them to put up points on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, Zeke you know, still hasn't really turned into Zeke yet. He's still kind of averaging 16 uh, 17 points a week when you're kind of expecting 20 to 30 point weeks, but you got to expect that's going to come at some point, but the rest of his team, like you, you wasted a great effort. Uh, Jarvis Landry puts up 24.7. Uh, Will Disley puts up 18.7. Chris Carson puts up 18. Uh, you, you can't expect those fringe players to score like that on a weekly basis. Uh, so that's, that's gotta be the most frustrating thing for Dave is, you know, he finally gets his team to go off on the same day, uh, gets all of them in sync, and doesn't come out with a W because of it. Um, moving forward, you're probably not going to be able to rely on Landry, Williams, Disley to score like that on a week-in, week-out basis, maybe one of them. Uh, but counting on all three of them to do it at the same time, uh, that's it's probably doubtful. Um, obviously, you're hoping you get a little more out of Tom Brady. Uh, moving forward, they're not going to face the Bills defense every single week. Uh, but uh, even the Patriots, they kind of lean on the running game when they get down to the end zone. And that vultures a lot of touchdowns away from Brady. Uh, I'm with you. I would be concerned if I'm Dave because I, I think there's still there's still a lot of risky pieces to this lineup. And with those fringe guys, even if you take 10 points off the combination of them, if Dave's scoring 134 week in and week out, unless he keeps hitting these unlucky opponents, he's going to do okay. But uh, like I said, I just worry that okay isn't good enough to get out of the hole that he's already dug himself into as we have these three-in-one teams to be those two games back. And some of those three-in-one teams are good and they're going to keep winning. And Dave's going to be in that, in that kind of no-man zone. I just, I'm nervous. I'm nervous for Dave. I don't know what else to say about it. But Tony, let's go on to the game of the week. Kalen came on here last week. And I know Kalen's listening. And he talked all kinds of crap that we haven't given him the respect he deserves. 
and we've been underrating him all season, and he's going to put up 175 points and, and all this stuff. And he comes out this week and lays an absolute egg. Tony, your Nooks and Fannies put up 115.2 and Kalen's prestige worldwide, wide, wide, wide sucked at 97.3. So, Kalen, had you won, we would have had you on here, let you gloat about how great your team is. But you don't even put up 100? No, no, my friend. You don't get to come on and gloat. You get to sit there in all of your shame and think about Marlon Mack, who couldn't even put up four points. Tony, how'd you feel getting that win? Uh, it felt great. As, as disappointing as it was to have to cancel Kalen's uh, spot on today's podcast, uh, it felt great to get, get the W over him. Um, the, the regression that I predicted for his team coming off that 158 point performance against Joe the week before occurred. Uh, his team came right back down to earth, ended up at 97 points, their lowest output of the season. Uh, and my team was able to capitalize really didn't get a lot of great performances on my team either, but I got enough to get, get the W, um, you know, Odell Beckham only puts up four points, but Cooper cup who, probably at this stage is my wide receiver one after the way he's performed through the first four weeks, puts up 27 again. And, you know, I have, I have guys that are hitting their projections outside of that. Carson Wentz hits Aaron Jones, hits his projection. Zach Ertz hits it. Um, Chargers defense carries a day for me there. I got just enough to get the W there. Um, it puts me in first place in the warehouse division all alone with a big, big matchup against Joe coming up this week. Uh, Kalen drops down to two and two, uh, kind of right there in the middle of that division there where you have Charlie and you have Steve battling for, uh, first place this week. Um, he's got a big one coming up this week too, to kind of keep pace. Uh, what do you think of Kalen's chances of keeping up with the Joneses in that division? It's going to be a tough go, but you know, I, I joke about, about Kalen's roster, uh, He's actually positioned, I think, pretty well, all things considered. Matt Ryan's going to keep being Matt Ryan. He's still going to put up great points. Shady McCoy's the interesting one here. He's still doing well, but Damian Williams at some point is going to come back from that injury. And at that point, we'll see where the share goes. He still has Melvin Gordon now coming back. We're going to see what happens uh, if he if he really does much. And... I I think I think Kalen's brighter days are actually ahead of him. Um, and I, I don't know, Tony, what, what do you think? I think so. I think he's he's got a good good roster top to bottom. And he's he's motivated to make some changes too. I know he's mentioned multiple times that uh his phone line is open for trade calls. He even put a note into our trade forum this week looking to make some moves. Uh, gets Melvin Gordon back this week. We've already discussed, uh, you know, we don't really know what to expect from him, uh, but you could probably rely on him to get you a couple touchdowns uh, throughout the weeks there. Uh, he's definitely no slouch. Uh, Kalen's got a pretty deep roster there, and he's definitely loaded the receiver position. He has the best tight end in the game. 
Uh, Matt Ryan, more often than not, is going to hit his projection or exceed it. Marlon Mack has been really solid for him on a weekly basis. Uh, just didn't really have it going on this past week. Kind of got uh, worked right out of the game with how quickly the Colts got uh, put down by the Raiders. I think they were up, the Raiders were up 14 nothing in the first five minutes of the game. Uh, kind of takes the running game right out of the equation. Um, but no, there's lots of like with Kalen's team. I think he's going to be uh, figuring into this whole thing all the way to the finish. Uh, I don't think I've seen the last of Kalen. That's for sure. Uh, with with him being in uh, in my division, you know, definitely looking forward to that last matchup with him as well. And that is the opening bell presented by Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Incorporated. Tony, Blue Chips, Blue Chip Fantasy Set of the Week presented by Bunty Soap. Tony, who performed for, uh, from your standpoint this week? Um, I'm going to go with a cop-out answer on this one. I'm going to say anyone involved in that Tampa Bay uh, Rams game. Uh, game gets into the 50s. I was looking through uh, the scoreboard throughout all the games, trying to figure out who I wanted to make as my blue chips. And I kept seeing Rams and Bucks popping up left and right. My team, you have Cooper Cup, 26.9 points. Tyler's team, you have Robert Woods puts up 29.4. Todd Gurley at 26. Charlie, you have Mike Evans put up 18.9. If Kevin had played Chris Godwin, who put up 40-plus, he would probably would have gotten the nod out of everybody. But it was just so hard to pick just one out of that game because uh, basically everybody who touched the field ended up putting up massive fantasy numbers. Um, it, it was a, a fantasy player's dream to watch that. And if you had multiple pieces of that team, uh, you were probably in pretty good shape as, as Tyler Kerr can attest to. We'll talk to him about that here in a little bit with him coming on. Um, you know, there's a little, little bit of the pie for everybody to enjoy in that game. Uh, and a lot of our owners were able to do that. Uh, who do you have as blue chip of the week? Well, I'm not going to cop out Tony. Cause I'm a, I'm a real analyst. I'm going to pick Nick Chubb from Steve Groover's team. As we watched that Browns game, Nick Chubb was was ro- rolling, man. 20 carries for 165 yards, three touchdowns, three catches, 18 yards. Boy, Nick Chubb having himself a day. And he's had pretty consistent showings. Uh, that first week, he, he had 11.5. Week two, nearly 20. Week three, 17. And then the 39.3 point showing this week. Uh, you know, wearing Groover's colors for the first time. And really helped Steve to get that win. Uh, and we, we were concerned that Steve might drop that game. Um, but on on the back of Nick Chubb, Groover did just fine. So Nick Chubb, my blue chip of the week. Those are the blue chip fantasy studs of the week. Presented by Bunty Soap. Now, Tony, let's talk about the flip side here. The Lendl Global Junk Bond of the week. Lendl Global... We're in everything. Tony, who did not perform? The QB bug is hitting Dave again. It did time and time again last season. And this week, uh, Tom Brady lays a big egg against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, puts up 3.7 points uh, on 18 of 39 passing. Completes only 46% of his passes and only 150 yards and throws a pick. No touchdowns on the day for him. Uh, that Bills defense really stymied him. Um, 
you know, this probably isn't a typical week for Tom Brady. Uh, he's, he's the goat for a reason. Uh, but in this particular week, when Dave really, really needed him to perform like the Brady of old, he didn't give it to him. He ended up with a uh, very, very low output. And probably if you had to point fingers at the reason Dave's sitting the one and three instead of two and two this week, uh, I think that finger's going to point right at Tom Brady. Uh, Derek, who do you guys are junk bond? I have Adam Thielen from Tim's team projected 13.9 gets 2.6. And we talked about Adam Thielen is, is great, but who does he have throwing him the ball? Kirk Cousins. And he just, he had a rough game after the game. Stephon Diggs just leaves the locker room still in, in full pads. Adam Thielen really unloading on the, on the, uh, the media there talking about how disappointed he was. So uh, Adam Thielen, obviously not putting up the points you would hope he would put up. And I'm concerned about him moving forward that it may be more of the same. Yeah, that offense is kind of a mess right now, Derek. It's um, it, it's all running game. That's what Zimmer wants to do. That's why he fired Filippo at the end of last season and uh, installed Stefanski as the offensive coordinator because he wanted to run the ball. That's what he's been doing successfully this year, especially with a healthy Dalvin Cook. Uh, the problem is they're going to get in some games like they did this past week against a, a vaunted Bears defense where you have to be able to throw the ball too. You can't just line up and run the ball against a defense like that. And right now, Kirk Cousins has not shown the ability to do it. So you can see the frustration from Thielen kind of boiling up to the surface. Uh, and you have to think that frustration shared by Tim right now because he's really counting on Thielen to be a consistent performer for him. He was one of his keepers, uh, benefited greatly from him last season, but uh, he has really been let down by him at this point and really needs to get him going if Tim's going to start accumulating some wins. And those are our junk bonds of the week presented by Lendl Global. We're in everything tony we're gonna change up how we do injuries on the podcast there are way too many to talk about them all so we're gonna talk about the ones that matter the most in our medical minute presented by sacred heart hospital wellness through diversity from joe reedy's team tyreek hill still out with the shoulder and deshaun jackson has missed the last couple of weeks Listed as questionable, look for a possible return this week, but maybe limited. Pay attention to this one. From your team, Mike Williams, questionable with a back injury, didn't play last week, but is up in the air for this week. Kevin Hulix, Drew Brees, is going to be out for six to eight weeks with a thumb injury. Tim Taft, so some news coming out on AJ Green, is expected to miss at least two more weeks, week five and week six, so we'll be talking about him again coming into week seven to see where he's at. And his new injury here, Devontae Adams with a toe injury. We're going to monitor as we approach the game this week. And Tony, we talked about Tim, you know, coming in, you know, down to one and three really needs to make a stand. And this it does not look good for Devontae Adams to be hurt with a toe injury that may nag all season. Yeah, worst possible timing for this injury to occur for Tim right now because uh, Devonta Adams had just started getting going on that Thursday night game. He puts up 28 points basically in two and a half quarters uh, and then ends up leaving the game with a toe injury. 
Um, you, you could see in the game when it happened, he immediately started grabbing for his toe. It looked like something was off and then got to the sideline and then was really, really struggling to walk on it right after. So it was no surprise he didn't come back in the game. Uh, good news for Tim, and it doesn't sound like it's a serious injury, but like you said, this could nag if he tries to come back on it too fast. Uh, and Tim needs him badly. He spent $63 in, on him in the draft. Some might say he overspent for him a little bit, but uh, he definitely knew what he was looking for in a draft pick there and went and got him. But this is the risk you run with that, that paying that price there. Um, when he goes down for an injury, it kind of puts you in a world of hurt as an owner because uh, doesn't have a lot behind him right now with AJ Green being down as well. And he just traded Terry McLaurin uh, my way as well, who would have been a pretty good option to fill in once he's back from injury. So um, a wide receiver room kind of decimated by the injury bug there for Tim, and he needs to get him healthy quick because uh, he's running out of opportunities to right the ship. From Vince Gorgonzola's team, his new player, T.Y. Hilton, questionable with a quad injury, missed last week, but monitored throughout this week. No news has really come out. Also from Gorgonzola's team, Saquon Barkley, uh, still out with the ankle injury, expected to miss another three to five weeks. We'll keep an eye on this one. From Kalen King's team, Damian Williams, questionable with a knee injury. He missed the last two games, and so far no news for this week. So monitor that situation closely. Charlie Thurber's Tevin Coleman is questionable with an anchor ankle injury. He didn't practice Monday, but you know, the, the, another official report will come out on Thursday. So follow this one. Charlie might need him. And then Dave Peshin, Jarvis Landry puts up a great game for him, but goes out at the end of the game with a concussion. And we'll follow this one to see if he's activated. ESPN seems to think he might be uh, Tony. What do you think the impact will be if Jarvis Landry not able to be activated for Dave this week? It could hurt a little bit because, like we mentioned, he's kind of leaning on him right now with how thin that receiving core is for Dave, especially with Antonio Brown uh, not really paying off for him. The, the problem with Landry is uh, he went off this past week, but I'm not certain that that's going to be a week-in, week-out thing for him with the way the Browns' offense is constructed. Uh, I think they're kind of they're going to go to the guy who's open. The Ravens were doubling uh, Odell as much as possible in that game to try and get the Browns to go elsewhere with it, and they did. And Landry was a number that ended up getting called quite a bit, but I'm not certain that that's going to be the case every single week there. So um, it, it could definitely hurt Dave in the near term because I'm not sure who he's going to plug in there to play right away for him if Jarvis can't go. And that is our Medical Minute presented by Sacred Heart Hospital, wellness through diversity. Stay with us. We're going to have Coach Tyler Kerr on right after the break. Derek, we've got some big, and I mean big, games this weekend. The Rocky Top Rumble, the Power Round Rivalry. You know where I'm going to head to check out all the Week 5 action? The best bar around. My own. That's because the great people of Speaker City have hooked me up with a state-of-the-art custom sports cave, complete with Dolby Digital surround sound, dual 50-inch CRT TVs, and all the electronic accessories I need to make my game day experience top-notch. And there's no reason that this can't be your experience as well. 
Not only does Speaker City boast the highest quality entertainment options, but they're also slashing prices on everything from beepers to DVD players, so you know you're getting the best price as well. Head on down to Speaker City at the corner of Route 35 and School Road and ask for my guy Beanie. He's been in the speaker business for 20 years and knows exactly what you need to pimp out your basement sports station. And mention that you heard about them here on the Frosty Podcast, and you can earn tickets 10% off to this year's 10th annual Mitch Martin Freedom Festival, the hottest ticket in town. You won't want to miss this year's Mitch Palooza as the D-O-double-G Snoop Dogg returns for the 10th anniversary. Don't miss out on all that and more at Speaker City, helping to bring that party to you. Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast. Next up, we have the Frosty Hotline, presented by Ollivander's Wand Shop, makers of fine wands since 382 BC. With us, coach of Cyberdyne Systems, Coach Tyler Kerr. Welcome back to the podcast, Ty. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be back on here. Appreciate it. So, Ty, tell us about uh, about your season here. You've had some high times and you've had some low times, but you're coming off one of the high times. Yeah, it appears that way. Um, uh, like like you said the other day, it's it's quite it's been quite a roller coaster season. When we're high, we're high. When we're low, we're in the gutter. It's bad. Uh, yeah, I. I, I wish we could just be that high all the time, but unfortunately, this is the the realm of fantasy football that we live in. So I'm sure I'm sure you're an avid uh, podcast listener here. Uh, if you listened to last week's, uh, you know we were we were putting you on ACT watch pretty strongly uh, <laughs> because the first three weeks. Uh, where are you at right now? With uh, you know, where, where do you feel like your team is heading right now? Do you feel like you're playoff bound? Or are you kind of feeling a little wary right now? You might be sharpening your pencil. Well, I'll tell you what, Tony, um, I'm, right now I'm putting the pencils back into the desk because I feel like we've got a pretty strong case to finish out the rest of the season and be on top. You know, Ty, you have had the lowest points for of of the league. And, mm. you know, in your first game scoring, you know, in the 70s, next game, 115. <laughs> then, you know, I guess that first game was 100. Last game was was 77 and then 140 47 um do you expect that you're gonna kind of roller coaster this the rest of the way through or do you think that you're gonna start getting that that week in and week out production um well just looking at the rest of our schedule i I, a lot of my lack of points can be attributed to uh I, i think a few things uh first of all aaron Rodgers. I mean, what the hell? I was honestly questioning, you know, should I should I drop him? Should I trade him? Um, should I put him on the bench? You know, he, he just wasn't producing as I expected him to. But then you look at his schedule. He played uh, they played the Bears. They played the Vikings, uh, you know, the Broncos, I guess. And then the Eagles. Uh, he did well against the Eagles secondary. He plays some pretty staunch defenses. Um, given the benefit of the doubt, I think he should be better going forward. Um, Todd Gurley, another one I spent a lot of my budget on. What the hell? Thought he would do, you know, be doing a, a lot better. Finally had a good game last time. Uh, 
looking at the schedule, I foresee a better future for him. Um, and and oh, again, I have three Rams players on my team, so I, I think going forward their schedule is going to be a little better. Um, so I'm just going to attribute it to who they played and uh, the defense they played. I, I really think that's that's mainly it. I think I've got some talented players, and I, I know that they can produce. Yeah, some really good insight on Rodgers there because they, they, the Packers have really faced a murderous row of defense to start the season, and it's not getting any easier this next week with Dallas uh, either. But I, I think there's going to be some better days ahead for, for your boy A-Rod there. Uh, hey, question for you on, um, you know, you, you had a pretty nice value pick in the draft there. Uh, $3, you took Kareem Hunt. Looked like you were going to sit on him until week 10 when he was going to be active and you'd have a pretty solid RB2. Looks like you dropped him this week. Uh, what what went into your thinking, uh, throwing him back into the pond? Well, we don't know if he, you know, he, he could – we're not sure where he's going to be when he comes out of off his suspension. Uh, you know, he, he may be, he, you know, we all know he's a great athlete. Well, is Cleveland going to be ready to play him? We're not sure. Uh, especially with the success they're having now. So great athlete. I don't know if, you know, not sure what I was thinking during the draft. Uh, not sure if I would have, if I would have drafted him now going back. So, release him. He's he's out in open pasture right now. Maybe I'll pick him up again. Who knows? Not sure how I feel about him. Yeah, that's an interesting one to me um, because you did have him for three dollars, and I figured you grabbed him for keeper value for next year. Whether Kareem Hunt's in brown and orange or other colors, he's a solid RB one. Um, you know, we we saw with C.J. Anderson last year coming in with fresh legs at that time of the season, you know, you, you can have a real big impact. Uh, I'm with you with, with Chubb's performance last year. No, I'm sorry, last week, you know, do they really need Kareem Hunt? I don't, I don't think so, but sure. They're, they're still going to play him. I, I would imagine. Um, and definitely for, for next year, but with him now out in the, in the waiver wire, I imagine he will get picked up tomorrow. I would be surprised if he gets picked up for less than five. I think teams, a lot of teams are going to be going after him, especially some of these teams who have lost some running backs due to injuries or underproduction. So I would say if you want him, you better go back and get him quick. Yeah, uh, not not sure, you know, not sure if I want him. I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things is you – there's always a it's a boomer bust thing. There's always potential for him to boom, um, and it, but there's always potential for him to not do anything for the rest of the year. I, I he he's a great athlete. He's an amazing player. Uh, I I don't know. I I just it's just one of those things where I, I don't know if it's worth him burning up a spot on my exquisite roster list. Got to make I room for Darwin Thompson with zero points. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, we'll end with this. Uh, we've we've talked uh, quite a bit uh, through our draft review and through the first couple of weeks of the season. I wanted to give you a chance to respond here. Uh, 
we've hit you pretty good on keeping Vance McDonald for $18 at the tight end position. Kind of kind of go through uh, what your thought process was there and whether you would do it again uh, going back. Yeah, well, I with Antonio Brown being gone, um, you know, I the other, you know, of course they have Juju um, and James Conner, but as far as other mouths to feed, I wasn't too sure who else would be a viable option on that Steelers offense. So I figured Vance McDonald would be a good pickup. Uh, solid tight end. Uh, he's, 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 uh, this is not his first year in the league. Uh, he could, he could be a, a great option for my team. So I picked him up or I, or actually I kept him for, like you said, 18 bucks. Uh, I would do it again. You know, had he not got hurt, I would expect continued production from him. You know, he's got his arm, he's, something's wrong with his shoulder. I haven't really looked into it much. Um, I would totally go back and get him or keep him again. Do the same thing. Uh, I, th- I think, especially with Ben Roethlisberger being out, you know, I, people may claim that his value is diminished from that, but I disagree. I think that he's, he could still be one of the, uh, the main attractions for Rudolph. But in the meantime, went ahead and picked up Dawson Knox, AKA Fort Knox, who is going to take my team to the next level. Let that be known. Well, I'll say it's a, it's a far cry from the, the no tight end system you were telling us you were going to do when we were doing the draft preview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I should go back and eat my eat my words on that one, huh? <laughs> Ty, always a pleasure having you on the show. Um, I have to ask, are you have you been listening or uh, only to the ones that you've been on? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I've been listening. I feel like you're lying I- to me, Ty. Oh, I'm not lying to you. I've been Listen, listening. Hey, Santa Claus is watching. Yeah? What's he going to bring me this year? A championship? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty... Uh, you didn't quaff at that one, so... <laughs> if you're lucky, he's going to give you a break from the ACT. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't need Santa for that one. Well, Ty, good luck to you. You're going up against a very tough Grandpa's Cheese Barn from Vince Gorgonzola. And uh, projections (laughs) or anything, it's going to be a rough one for you this week. So hopefully your team shows up and balls out. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. Good talking to you guys. We'll see you soon. We appreciate Coach Kerr joining us on the Frosty Hotline, presented by Ollivander's Wand Shop. Fine wands since 382 BC. And now it's time, Tony, for the forecast presented by Goliath National Bank, the world leader in credit and banking. We have a very special guest with us, uh, a coach that I have coached with in previous fantasy football leagues, uh, has never been in the Fortune 500 league, but a friend of the podcast. Welcome, Bill Klein. Good evening, guys. Happy to be here today. Thank you. Uh, Bill, you are on Baby Watch. Uh, Bill, going to be a first-time father in the real near future. Uh, So how's that going? We're pretty excited for it. Uh, Our due date is October the 18th. Um, 
pushing 38 weeks this coming Friday. Uh, nursery is ready to roll. We have the dog on his anxiety medication. Life is good. And, um, you know, I just want to I just want to point out one thing before we start. I believe it's pronounced Ollivanders, not Ollivanders, as was previously suggested. I'm a huge Harry Potter buff coach. So well, we're going to point be that a, out. We're going to be a jerk about things today. I see. All right. He's never allowed back on. Yeah. Uh, Bill Klein, uh, one and done on the Frosty podcast. All right. Well, since I'm sick of talking to you, let's just go ahead and get right into it then. The first game, Vince Gorgonzola's Grandpa's Cheese Barn at 2-2 two and two, coming in against Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems, also at 2-2. Two and two. Now, Vince is projected to take this game 122.5 to 97.7. However, Ty still has an empty roster spot, so we'll see who he fills that with. But, Bill, who do you think takes this game? I, I got to tell you, honestly, I find uh, a majority of the matchup kind of uneventful, kind of like uh, Patrick, Mah- uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, but for me, I see the Cheese Barn beating the Cyberdyne. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we just talked to Tyler Kerr, and, and I didn't get from him that he uh, really had any big insight into how he was going to change up this game. Todd Gurley's on track for really the worst season he's ever had. Um, we'll see what Austin Eckler does, but James Conner, I expect to have a, a pretty good showing against Baltimore. You know, Chubb was able to run all over that defense. So we'll see here, but I'm with you. I'm going to take Grandpa's Cheese Barn here. And uh, I think Vince gets that gets a win here. Tony, where you at? Uh, this has the highest scoring team in the league with Grandpa's Cheese Barn against the lowest scoring team in the league at Cyberdyne Systems. Unfortunately for Coach Kerr, uh, his boys spent up a lot of their points last week with 147. I can't see them doing that two weeks in a row. Uh, Vince's team has been scoring left and right, even if they have an average day. They're likely going to hit 120, and I think uh, Ty's going to struggle to get there. Uh, it's going to be a clean sweep here. I'm going to go Grandpa's Cheese Barn. In our next game, Coach Joe Reedy's Footloose Prosthetics coming into town, Tony, to take on your Nooks and Fannies, and they are projecting a very close game here. But, Tony, you are projected to take it 128.3 to 123.5. Bill, do you think Tony gets the win? Uh, or does Joe come back from that two-game losing streak? I got to tell you, um, I, I see the prosthetics taking the Nooks and Fannies. Um, I see Le'Veon Bell there and uh, take that for what it's worth. But, uh, unfortunately, um, and I, I know uh, Tony's head is in his hands right now probably, but um, – I got to I got to go with the prosthetics on this one. Wow, Bill. I uh I'm surprised at that pick, but I agree with it. I think Joe coming off of the week he had last week is going to be looking to make a statement. Le'Veon Bell going up against Philly, uh definitely a a difficult defense at times. Uh Russell Wilson going up against that Rams defense that gave up all kinds of points to Jameis Winston last week. I think uh, I think this may be, you know, the the bounce back week for Joe after dropping two in a row, and starts putting Tony 
into the losing column. Uh, Tony, how do you feel about both of us taking Joe in this one? Phil is making absolutely certain that we don't invite him back on this podcast. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you that. <laughs> I think I think this game is going to be probably one of the better ones of the week. Uh, Joe's team and my squad are two of the top three scoring teams in the league, uh, and both of our teams uh, kind of regressed a little bit in scoring last week. And typically, when that happens uh, for for teams that are projected to score quite a bit. Uh, the week after, uh, the points start coming in bunches. So uh, it would not shock me if this is one of our higher-scoring games of the week. Um, I think both of our squads are looking to get back on track. Uh, Looking at Joe's team, I think he has some very unfavorable matchups there with some of his guys, but we said the the complete opposite last week. It said he had some really favorable ones, and they put up uh, a 90-point outing. So who knows? I think it's going to be a great game either way. Definitely looking to get the four and one on my side, but I know Joe's going to come back hungrier than ever after those two losses. Going on to our next one. And I think this may be the closest projection we've ever had, uh, whether it's fortune 500 league or any of our previous leagues, Kalen Kings prestige worldwide projected for one twenty three point eight, going up against Dave Pestian's super sack at 123.7 for those of you who did the quick math at home that's a 0.1 point difference they are projecting this one to be a tie uh bill (laughs) who are you picking in this one and this is not an easy one to pick no it's not and when do you when do you ever see a, a projection that close i don't think i ever have I I just don't think it exists. Um, But I got to tell you, you know, if you're going by if you're going by what you see, when you see Tom Brady, when you see Kristen McCaffrey. I see Super Sack beating the Step Brothers and Prestige Worldwide. Yeah, you know, um, Kaylin coming off that really bad week last week. Dave coming off of a high point score, but a loss. Tom Brady had a bad week last week. He's going up against Washington this week. Christian McCaffrey going up against Jacksonville. Um, Jarvis Landry, we'll see if he's good to go. If so, he's going up against San Francisco. So going over to the West Coast uh, doesn't always fare too well for East Coast teams. On the flip side of that, with, with Kalen's team, uh, you know, uh, once again, it's a bunch of guys who are good, who meet their projections, and generally he has a solid, a solid week in and week out. Um, I, I'm gonna call it wishful thinking here, but I'm, I'm going. You know what? I'm gonna change midway. I'm gonna go Kalen King. I think he takes it. Dave has had bad luck. I think the bad luck continues. And for no other reason than that, I think Dave is destined to take the ACT this year. I'm going to take Kalen King uh, in a real waffle pick. Tony, who are you picking in this one? Hear that, Dave? Start sharpening your pencil now. Derek's put you on notice. (laughs) I'm going to go with Derek on this one as well. I think Kalen is going to take this one. I think uh, he had a really rough week last week against my squad, but it was a pretty uncharacteristic week of his team. 
Uh, I think they bounce back in a big way this week. They're going to be extra motivated uh, to get that taste out of their mouth. Uh, I think Dave's squad really wasted a good effort last week, uh, scoring in the 140s with a team that's, uh, you know, the supporting cast from McCaffrey and Elliott, the supporting cast is going to struggle to score like that on a weekly basis. And I think they're going to need to more often than not. I don't think they're going to be able to this week. He's got some unfavorable matchups in there. Uh, I'm going to go with Kalen to get back in the win column and get to three and two. Uh, it means Dave would end up at one and four. Um, really, really dangerous territory for him there. On to our next matchup. And this is why Bill Klein is joining us. So in the world of speech and debate, you have in some tournaments, which generally are three rounds apiece, a final round, a playoff round, where the best speakers come to compete against each other for a winner-take-all round. They call it the power round. Now, Tim Taft had a very nice speech career at Austin Fitch High School. But Kevin Hulick is a state champion debater. We're calling this the power round rivalry. And much like he did back in 2008, Kevin is projected to come out victorious 119.5 to 116.7. Now, Bill, you joined... Tim and Kevin on the speech and debate team. You and I were both on the speech and debate team, competed in the same category. You, however, much better than myself. Uh, but, but, Bill, how do you see this game going? What a what a matchup! What a matchup! Um, you know, look, looking at everything I have in front of me here, looking at the defense. Look at the quarterbacks on both sides um, and just kind of looking at some past data that was shared with me. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be like Lincoln beating Douglas. I think Hulick beats Taft. I think Goodman Esquire beats the Green Dragons. That uh, I, I can't argue with that pick. I I think Kevin has been up and down a bit. I think Tim has been up and down a bit. At the end of the day, though, Deshaun Watson, coming off of the week he had last week, I think he was a little angry uh, going up against Atlanta this week. David Johnson going up against Cincinnati, who I don't think can stop even a, a speech running back. Um, I'm going to go opposite of you here, and I'm going to take Tim. Tony, where you at? And what a big, big matchup this is for the power round rivalry. One in three for both of them. This is a, such a pivotal, pivotal game for them. Uh, huge implications for whoever wins and whoever loses here. You win this game, all of a sudden you're back in the middle of the pack. Uh, trying to put a surge on to get you back into playoff territory. You lose this game, you drop the one and four, all of a sudden you start mentally picturing yourself in that bar taking that ACT. So that that whole thought process starts becoming real if you drop to one and four. We've, we've talked quite a bit how both these guys have had some bad luck. 
uh, you know, some of their higher scoring weeks, they've just run into opponents that happen to score more. Um, but, but you get to this stage of the season and none of that is starting to matter at this point. Now you just need to manufacture wins any which way you can. Uh, I think these two teams are fairly evenly matched. I think that Avante Adams injury is going to hurt Tim quite a bit. I can see he's already replaced Adams in the lineup with Marquise Brown, who's going up against Pittsburgh. Uh, could be a good matchup there because of Pittsburgh struggles in the secondary a little bit, but it comes down to Lamar Jackson getting the ball. Uh, he's probably going to be under duress a bit with that front seven from Pittsburgh. Uh, Sean Watson should bounce back for Tim. David Johnson should have a big game against Cincy. Uh, James White, who knows? Who knows if New England's going to use him? If they, if he do, he's going to have a big game against Washington. There's, there's no doubt there. Um, and if, if Adam Thielen can't get the ball going against the Giants secondary, who can't stop anybody, uh, you got to really question if he's going to get going at all. Um, some favorable matchups on both sides here. I'm going to give the slight nod to the Green Dragon. And in our final matchup, the game of the week, the Rocky Top Rumble. Charlie Thurber's capital expenditures going into town to face Steve Groover's the EBDBB&B. Groover expected to take this one 129.5 to Charlie Thurber's 116.3. Now, Bill, to set the stage for you here, Charlie and Steve played together at University of Tennessee on the baseball team. As we know, Tennessee, well-known as good old Rocky Top. (laughs) This is going to be a clash of titans for who will own the city of Knoxville, who will own the University of Tennessee, and who may be on the fast track to champion of the Fortune 500 League, Bill. Who wins this game? What a preamble. What a preamble. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Lamar Jackson is going to struggle against uh, Jared Goff. Um, I think uh, I think the running game is going to play a big role in this game. Um, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. But at the end of the day, um, I see uh, I see the EBDBB&B beating the expenditures. Yeah, uh, you know what, Bill? I'm going to join you in this one. Charlie has been up and down. He was up last week, so I'm going to ride the roller coaster. And what goes up must come back down. Nick Chubb, I think, really finding his finding his legs. Again, like I just mentioned, though, Brown's going out to San Fran. Can be difficult. Larry Fitzgerald going up against Cincinnati. Uh, with that air raid offense, I think he's going to have himself a game. Joe Mixon, though, going up in at home against Arizona, I think he's going to have himself a game. Lamar Jackson going to figure out what's going on against that Pittsburgh defense. And uh, I'm with you. I think the EBDB B&B takes it in this Rocky Top Rumble. Tony, you making it a sweep? 
well, you look at these games and the, the you know these last two rivalries we've had here for a week five. They don't get any bigger than this. I mean, you have two one and three games, which is going to possibly put somebody in the driver's seat for the ACT. On the flip side, this matchup is going to put someone squarely in the driver's seat of the sales team division. Um, couldn't script it better for the very first Rocky Top Rumble. It's like it's like the schedule maker knew what he was doing. That guy is just fucking good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, I'm expecting a lot of big things from this matchup. I think we're going to see some fireworks on both sides. Uh, I, I think the Lamar Jackson matchup uh, against Pittsburgh is a tough one for for Steve there. I think Pittsburgh is going to get to him pretty often. I, I think Baltimore probably ends up winning that game, but I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing for them. Um, Dalvin Cook should be able to get some running room against the Giants. Uh, the San Fran defense has been uh, a little tougher than they're giving credit for. Uh, Nick Chubb should be able to get some yardage there, but I'm not sure it's going to be the type of day he just had. Joe Mixon, I'm not sure I trust the Bengals against anybody right now, the way they're playing. Um, on, on capital expenditure side, that New Orleans-Tampa game, you know, they put on a clinic uh, last year, week one, when those two teams played. Uh, this game's in the dome. Uh, both teams throwing the ball around quite a bit, even with Teddy Bridgewater there in New Orleans. I think there's going to be a lot of fantasy points in that game. Uh, the Vikings defense faces the rookie quarterback, Daniel Jones. Uh, I think this is going to be his welcome to the NFL week for them. Um, he's got some pretty good matches with his running backs, too. At the end of the day, I'm going to go with capital expenditures here. Holy oh. upset. I think Charlie Thurber came into this league to play this game, to knock off Steve in the league that he has dominated, and I think he gets the W in his first shot at it. I will say, Tony, although I picked Steve, I hope you're right, because I want to see Groover taken out, and I think it is poetic justice that it's Charlie Thurber that does it. Bill, thank you for joining us. Uh, you've, you've done a great job picking these games. Hopefully you, uh, everything goes well with baby Liam, who will immediately become a much better friend of the podcast than you've been here uh, today. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be excited to have his first, uh, first time on guys. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. And that'll do it for another episode of the frosty podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week as we break down week five, look forward to week six, and have ourselves another guest picker. On behalf of the Fortune 500 League and Steel Valley Media, I'm Derek Frost. He's Tony Perenni. We'll catch you next time. And remember, get those pencils sharpened. (laughs) 